what is a la mode or what is in style or in fashion as far as grammar is concerned. Now, you may never have thought about grammar having anything to do with fashion or, or style or, or even, even with politics, but let me tell you, it has a lot to do with all of those things. Uh, give, me, give me an example. Uh, I wonder how many, of, how many of you watched the Casey Anthony trial in the United States this past summer. Casey Anthony trial, a great snapshot of American culture and uh, the, the American jurisprudence system as represented in Florida in a, in a criminal case, and this was a murder case, of course. This is a, a case, if you don't know, where a, a, a mother was accused of killing her, her daughter. Now, now, why would I bring this up? Um, what does this have to do with politics or grammar? It has everything to do with it because, of course, in a court case, can you imagine the kind of language that, that is used? The, the language that is used is very, very formal. It's uh, what's called of a, a very high register. Do you think that's grammatically different than, say, informal language? Uh, absolutely, yes. If you compare the language that you use, you use talking to your mother or talking to your friends, if you speak in English with your friends, compare that English to, say, what you hear before a king or a queen, or in a, court, in a court case, or in a parliament, or in Congress, the language is very, very different. And it's interesting, by the way, that the more formal the language is in English, the more like French it is. That's, that's another subject. Uh, now, in the, the, to get, get back to, this, to, the, to the Casey Anthony trial, the judge in that trial was, was, uh, was Judge uh, Mel, uh, Belvin Perry. Judge Belvin Perry, very, very competent jurist. He, he knew what needed to happen in the, in the courtroom. He controlled it very well it, and appropriately well. He made sure there was balance between the, the strategies of the two, two sides, between the defense and the prosecution. He did not put up with any nonsense. Very well-educated man. Now, now, Mr. Mr. Perry, Judge Perry, is African-American, and he represents, by the way, a regional dialect of English. And nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. That's, that's appropriate. Now, in a, in a courtroom, uh, Judge Perry was, was switching from his native dialect of English to a more appropriate court language. Now, was he able to make the, make the switch completely? Well, no. He had an actual uh, accent in his speaking English and, and controlling uh, formal, in, formal academic English in the, in the courtroom. Now, now, what would you think, what, what would I think in a, in a courtroom where someone has a little bit of an accent? Well, typically we think, well, um, maybe the person hasn't, hasn't got control over the language as he should in this particular context because he hasn't got the education maybe, hasn't got the background, Maybe he's a foreigner, came from outside the United States, who knows? But the thing is, though, is, that, is it acceptable to have an accent or to have a little bit of a flavor of a different dialect of English in a very formal setting? Well, yes and no. I remember I had a, a, a professor at Texas Tech in calculus, and he had a very, very broad West Texas dialect of English that he used in teaching calculus. Now, was this man well-educated? Absolutely, yes. Did he know calculus? Absolutely did. I, I was very fortunate, by the way, to make a C in that course. I thought I was going to fail it. Uh, the, the point is that 
that the, the the level of language we use is is important in, in our professional lives and as well as is is in our our informal lives and the, the degree that we control the academic standard dialect of English it, it has something to do with how successful we're going to be in, in our lives in the United States at least and certainly in the English-speaking world wherever that may be uh, now you may be listening to my speech now I'm from Texas um, I'm doing my very best to represent uh, standard American English as, as best I can as a professor in a university now some of you undoubtedly are listening and thinking, well, the guy has a little bit of a twang of an accent. Maybe he's used a turn of phrase here and there that maybe doesn't quite sound so academic, maybe doesn't quite sound so educated. Well, I assure you that I'm quite educated, but sometimes you may think I don't sound so educated simply because of, of where I came from and the kind of dialect that I grew up in, which was in Central Texas in, um, in, the, in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, now, in relation to, to style and fashion, as far as grammar is concerned, and the politics of grammar too, uh, how acceptable is it to have these little variations of language? Well, it's, it depends on where you go. It depends on how educated I think that people are wherever you, you may be using the language. Uh, what do you think about people these days texting? Do you think that this is changing English? This the, the the incredible amount of texting that's going on right now with cell phones with young people. Now, I have colleagues at, at Liberty University who think that young people are not exactly being very respectful of English and in fact are changing it to its detriment, changing it to where it's not going to be so good, not going to be such a good language after all. Uh, now, I, I don't know what you think about that. I, I certainly do not agree at all that texting is is changing English to be something less than what it is now, or making it less effective or, uh, or less of a language or less prestigious. I don't think that at all. What do you think that is? Uh, styles change, fashions change, language changes. You cannot stop language from changing, it changes. It, and I guarantee you in 20 years, when I'm, I'll be dead and gone by then, 20 years, English is not going to be the same. It's going to be quite different. And it's going to be primarily due, I think, to young folks and the way they use the language today. A lot of folks think that's terrible, that's bad, uh, but it's not. It's just language change. I believe this is a, something that God gave us. He gave us language and he, he expects us to be creative with it and to play with it. And it's going to change over time. It's got to. That's, he's, that's the way he's made us. I, I call it the Tower of Babel effect. You think the Tower of Babel in, in Scripture, if you believe this, was a one-time event where God confused language so that people couldn't work together and get, get all these things done or, wh or whatever. Well, I think that that was at the beginning of, of God confusing language. I think he's still doing that today. He's just by, by the way that we use language, the way we talk, uh, the way we love to play and create and create new turns of phrase, new, new words, make nouns into verbs and verbs into nouns. And um, you all, probably most of you that are listening to me are probably younger than, than I am and you're you're the, on the forefront of the change, of the changes that are happening. What is, this, what is this going to mean for future presidents, for future jurists, for the way they talk, the way they communicate? Well, I, I expect it's all going to change. Uh, grammar is going, not going to be the same in 20 years that it is now. It, uh, and that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just a, a thing that cannot stop. And that's okay. But anyway, this is indeed part of grammar. You may not have thought about grammar being having anything to do with style or fashion or with politics, but it does. And I'll 
I will certainly from time to time mention this throughout the course. Look forward to it.